Friends, this, <clears throat> excuse me, this is one of my favorite gospel stories. Um, it, it's incredible to see Jesus going out on the waves, um, asleep in the back of the boat. The storm rises up. The disciples are becoming terrified. And there's something important that Jesus and the gospel writers want us to take away from this story today. And so I look forward to unpacking that with you. I suggest to you that God has faith in us, even when we don't have faith in ourselves. So as Chris said a couple of weeks ago, in Mark, everything just keeps moving. It just keeps galloping one thing after another. It is almost a breathless gospel. As you know, so far, it's only chapter four, and already Jesus has been baptized by John the Baptist and anointed by the Holy Spirit. He's called the 12 disciples. He's cast out demons, all of whom knows who he is. He healed the leper, Peter's mother, the paralytic lowered from the roof, and the man with the withered hand. He's challenged the Pharisees on the essence of the law, and he's taught the ever-growing crowds, all by chapter 4. So right before today's lesson, there are so many people pressing in on Jesus that he actually gets in a boat to have a little bit of space, and he begins to teach them in parables. And he does the parable of the sower and the parable of the mustard seed. He is on fire with the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God isn't just far away or long ago. The kingdom of God is now and it's present with him. And you feel this palpable sense of Jesus's passion for the kingdom of God. And he teaches the people. But the problem is at this point now, Jesus is going to test the disciples. He asks them to push out in the evening into the sea. Those of you who listen to my podcast know that this was a bad time to be in a boat on the sea. Going in the afternoon when storms are more likely and heading to the other side, which you may or may not know is the other, the outsiders, the land of the Gerasenes. So it's not just let's go for a cruise push out to the places that scare you, push out to the places that frighten you. That's the message in today's gospel. And so they, <clears throat> excuse me, and so they push out and he falls asleep on a cushion in the back of the boat and the winds build and the waves build and the boat is in danger of being swamped. This isn't just in the disciples' mind, it's real. They're about to turn over. And finally, they cry out, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And I just want that sentence to kind of ripple through with us today. Because we know that place. We, our families, our friends, people in Dallas have asked that question. Teacher, God, do you not care that we are perishing? It's a real question. It's an important question. And I think of our parish, and I think of some of the storms besetting us. The toddler with a rare disease who spends more time in the hospital than at home. The teenager experiencing bouts of anxiety following the pandemic. The young adult trying to settle into a new city with no friends. The middle-aged man grieving the progress of dementia in his mother and she no longer recognizes him. The elderly woman who no longer knows why she's alive. At times in our lives, it can feel like the wind is blowing, the waves are rising, and our boat is about to be swamped. 
And with the disciples, we cry out, do you not care that we're perishing? So here's Jesus's response. And the first part we know well, he wakes up and he rebukes the wind and the sea. He says, peace be still. And there was a dead calm. And then he turns to the disciples. Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? Now, growing up, this was always explained to me, and I believe it's the good classic explanation of this story, that in a sense, Jesus is king of creation. With a word, he can still the waves and the wind. That's important for us to understand. He's not just a good teacher. He's the Messiah, the king of creation. Good. And I've also always heard that somehow the disciples lacked faith in God to provide for God to do something. And therefore, you know, they, they gave up hope or they cried out, why do you not care that we're perishing? But as I've sat with this gospel for the past week, I began to hear something else. And I began to focus on the fact that Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat. And do you know why? Do you know why Jesus was able to sleep soundly? Because he trusted his friends. He knew they had it. They're fishermen. They do boats. He's confident in their capacity to get to the other side. And so, yes, there may be a theological overlay, but for just a moment, imagine that Jesus is able to sleep because he's in good hands. He's in the hands of the disciples, and he knows that they can accomplish the purpose. I often think that God, Jesus, trusts us more than we trust ourselves. We have capacity. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit. We've been baptized into the body of Christ. We can do a thing in the name of God. We can join a ministry. We can mentor a youth. We can teach a child how to read. We can serve in government. We've been given capacity by the God who loves us and makes us and made us in his image. And in a sense, I want you to have this sense that Jesus's ability to rest was because it's in our hands by the grace of God and with the help of Christ, we can do this. We don't need to keep looking outside of ourselves for some divine intervention. We can reach into ourselves, into the core of our being, which is made in love by God. And we can do a thing, not only individually, but as a congregation. There is a new day coming for St. Michael and there will be new tasks for us to do. And I want you to have the image of Jesus sleeping in the boat because he knows that you and I can do this. As we know, today is Father's Day. And I was reflecting on who in my life, what father figure modeled Jesus, that sleeping in the back of the boat. Because I've got some people in my life who are more like the disciples, worked up, kind of anxious. And I reflected on who is the one, who are the ones who were able to have that peace be still calm. And I thought of Stan White, who was president of Forest Home Christian Conference Center in California. I was in college. I was a lead counselor. I loved this work. We worked with kids. I was there the whole summer. We would teach the counselors as they came up from the churches. And I think camp work is incredible. But I was new, and I'd never done this before, so I had lots of questions. I wanted to do it right. And Stan was just still. He trusted my capacity to do this counseling, even when I couldn't see it. And he was, I worked there for three summers. 
And more and more, he modeled that sense of non-anxious presence, peace, be still. And he, by his inaction, by his napping, raised up in me leadership. And at the end of camp, uh, my friends and I thought it would be a fun idea in the middle of the night when the kids were sleeping and the counselors were tucked away. There was a swimming pool with a covering over it. Don't ever do this. This is very dangerous. We wanted to see if we could run from one side of the pool to the other on top of the covers. Well, as you can know, what can happen is that can close over you and you can die. So we got caught, climbing back over the fence, and Stan sat, set us down the next day. And he did the requisite that was really dangerous. You could have hurt yourself. And then with a twinkle in his eye, he said, did you make it across? <laughs> and the answer was no, we didn't. About three steps in, we went down. But I ask you to think about who in your life models that sense of still presence, that non-anxious presence, who believes in you even when you can't. That's what we're talking about today. That's what we're being called into at St. Michael. The ministry that you are gifted to do, that you know. Chris and I do not necessarily know what gifts the Spirit has given you. But we do know that if you're responsive to those, you too will step up and find a way to live out the gospel of Jesus in this context and in the city. Do we understand how much God trusts us? When Jesus calls us to discipleship, it's not a call to passivity or blind obedience. God calls us because God has confidence in our ability to act. God is not absent during the storms of our lives. God is with us as we bring our best selves to bear on the challenges at hand. We act to the best of our ability and God blesses our efforts, even and especially when we fail. Jesus trusts us so much so that he's willing to sleep while we work, not because he doesn't care, but because he knows that we can bring the boat safely to the other side. And even if the storm gets the upper hand and we are thrown into the sea, still we rest in Jesus, in whom and by whom and through whom all things were made. There is nowhere we can go apart from that loving presence, not even the bottom of the sea. Amen.